Hi, and welcome back to The Courageous Mama. Fresh from my winter cold. Have you had yours yet? Oh, just about everyone I know has had a cold and it was nasty. Anyway, today we're going to look at the main character types of children using the tool of the Enneagram. We're going to look at the strengths and weaknesses of different character types and look at how we can encourage them as they grow, how to get the best out of them. We'll unlock some of their behaviours and work out what their insecurities are and what their needs are and how to help them to flourish. I'm Madeline Stanimaras. I'm a coach, a parent coach, an author, a blogger, the host of The Courageous Mama. So welcome and thank you for joining me. You've patched into season two of The Courageous Mama. It takes courage to parent and it takes courage to parent well in our turbulent world. So if you as a mum or a dad want to be empowered, equipped and encouraged on your journey and on your parenting journey, you've come to the right place. This season, there are fortnightly podcasts, which I'm going to alternate. One is going to be a kind of larger dig in type session, sometimes with a guest. And then the alternate one in the fortnight, so that's two a month, is going to be a shorter session. So this week, I'm excited about our deeper dive session as I've got a really interesting guest for you. Her name is Helen Calder, she's a life coach, and she uses the tool of the Enneagram to help people to access a deeper understanding of themselves and of their relationships with others. Isn't that just so much of what life's all about? How we relate to others and how others make us feel. So I'm grateful that she's going to walk us through the nine types in this incredible tool. So what I'm hoping for you today is that it will bring fresh revelation to the different character types in your life. Now that could be your partner, a friend, a neighbour, a colleague and your children so that you can get a greater understanding of what's behind different behaviours and know how to respond healthily, how to protect your feelings and how to get the best out of them. So here's my conversation with Helen Calder. across the Enneagram reading by Richard Raw, just reading about how people see the world so differently. I think until that point, I probably thought everybody just thought like me. <laughs> Did you find it made sense of your life and people you're interacting with? So when I read the description of my type, it really spoke to me in both positive ways and uncomfortable ways as well. And just seeing that there were nine different lenses on the world. So other people seeing things differently to me. I find that if I can understand somebody's type, mm. I can feel more compassionate about behaviours that I don't quite get or understand yeah. or things that I think, oh, I would have done that differently. Yeah. It just mm. leaves me feeling really released to let them them did it have yeah. that impact on you yes so I think for me when I started with the Enneagram it started with realizing that I could be compassionate to myself mm. <laughs> and it was a tool that could help me see some of the things that get in my way and some of the things that bother me 
but to see them as patterns of behaviour that I could accept with love and compassion was really useful to me. And that these are just part of my personality patterns and there's more to me than those patterns. That was incredibly useful to me. I think that's really useful that you've said that because I know that when it comes to personality typing, people are so afraid of the concept of being put into a box. Mm. Can you speak into yeah. that? So when I Enneagram type people, that's often something they're concerned about. They, they don't want to just be a number and they don't want to be pigeonholed. But with the Enneagram, when you find out your type... In a way, it's finding out what you're not. I'm not my type. I'm not all those patterns. I'm not all of those unhelpful thoughts and behaviours. There's something else underneath, and that's what I'm discovering. I'm finding my strengths, and I'm finding my true self. So what's the Enneagram? So on paper, it appears like a, a circle. It's a diagram. Um, Ennea meaning nine, gram meaning diagram. So it's a circle with nine numbers around the outside. So those nine numbers each represent one personality type. And each of those personality types has got different characteristics, different strengths, uh, different blind spots. So it gives nine distinct flavours or views on the world. If you had the diagram in front of you, you would see that there are arrows connecting some of those numbers and each number has got two neighbours. So they also have an influence on the personality type as well. So it's quite, it can be quite simple, but it can be quite deep as well. Yes, you can come in at a low level, probably mm-hmm. like bridge. You can, you can make a start <laughs> and grasp a bit of it, can't you? Mm-hmm. And then you, can, you can dive much deeper. Yeah, yeah, I think that puts it really well. (laughs) So shall we wander through the different types and then people have got stuff to hang what we're saying? Yeah. Can we start with type one? Yeah, sure. So type one is called the perfectionist. Their self-image is that I'm a good person and I like to see good in the world. So a type one looks to improve themselves. So they'll identify with having that inner critic. The type one will always say they've got that voice that is holding them to high standards, sometimes tells them off, looks back at things and says, I could have done that better. They'll hold other people to high standards as well, but they make the world a better place. And in what way? Because they're looking to improve themselves, others, the environment... So on the plus side, mm-hmm. they can contribute to situations, can't they? And yeah. help people be the better version of themselves, help yeah. situations be, mm-hmm. have the integrity that they should have. Absolutely. On the minus side, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can feel in the company of a one that you're just not measuring up, can't you? It, that's That can be a tendency. You might feel slightly judged or criticised, possibly, not always. <laughs> And that's an interesting conversation that I have with my husband. So I'm going to admit I'm a one. And the Mm -hmm. weird thing about the Enneagram I often find with people is when they discover what they are, they're like, oh, no, no, I don't (laughs) want to be that. Yes. But actually, unlike Myers-Briggs, for example, the Enneagram Mm -hmm. seems to start with what pulls you down, what trips you up. Totally. And 
as a one, mm-hmm. of course I'm interested in that. Yeah. I want to know what I could mm-hmm. improve and therefore what's holding me back. Yeah. So in some respects, it's the perfect tool. On the other hand, it, it, it is hard to face. It's like, wow, yeah. so that's what it can feel like experiencing me. Yeah. That I'm saying, raise the bar, do better. Mm-hmm. And what I'm actually saying, mm. and that's where I come back to the conversation I have, I have with my husband, I'm saying, you're more than this. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. But he's hearing, <laughs> mm. do better, pull up yeah. your socks or, or whatever the expression mm. is. So it's been really helpful for me to understand my Enneagram type yeah. because we've been able to discuss that. And he's like, oh, right. So actually, mm. that's mm. not what you're saying at all. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. No. So has it been useful for him then to appreciate your lens on the world? Definitely. Because what, what I have come to understand in seeing that I'm a one is I thought everybody had that critic I, I just thought that was the way we all live yeah and he's like no I don't have that voice on my shoulder mm-hmm. yeah constantly saying you could have done that better have you looked at it from this angle mm-hmm. why haven't you done this his is just quiet mm-hmm. so, so mine can be a little bit like a noisy neighbor <laughs> and yeah. he's like here's the music's off Mm. And I'm just like, oh, sweet, is that noise off? You know? So it's been really helpful for him to see that actually sometimes as a one, it's a strain mm. because you have got to balance that out with actually, you've done your best today yeah, and you're not the bad guy. Mm. And actually what you've offered, you've offered in love. Mm. Um, but it can also be helpful for me to understand what that can feel like. So I have had mm. conversations with my children and it's helped us to understand that actually I'm, I'm not... I'm not pulling you to something better. I'm just seeing some real good in you. Mm. I'm calling it out. So it's given us a language. And as Con would admit, and did, because he wandered in here earlier, (laughs) he doesn't do the reading up around it. Mm. But in conversation, he he can see it's a massively helpful tool. Mm. And and it's been helpful for us to understand our children better as well. Oh, that's interesting. So being a one can be hard work. Yes. (laughs) And I think I prefer the word improver. To perfectionist mm. yeah it just lets me off that hook of i'm not expecting everyone perfect mm. around me um but i love calling out the best in people yeah. that's a really good way of putting it mm. and seeing the best in other people and wanting to draw that out mm. and that compassion it comes back to that you can be more compassionate towards yourself mm. and the other people in your life can see that your motivations might not be what they thought. Yes. But they're given in compassion and love, like you said. Absolutely. Mm. So, <laughs> type two. Type two. So type two is often known as the giver or the helper. So they're the people who will be there to help other people very generously. They, If they hear about somebody in need... They'll be there with the pre-cooked meal or the baked cake, the power behind the scenes, perhaps, organising in a very helpful way. So they're everybody's best friend. Uh, It's really important for the type two to feel that they're liked. Relationships are really key to the type two. And appreciation is as well. So that can be the uh, blind spot of the type two. That they live for that affirmation. Yeah, they really 
need that appreciation perhaps more than the other types. Although they can bat it off when it comes. Mm. But it yeah. doesn't mean to say it's not feeding them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have a type two in my life and I, I just again found the Enneagram helpful mm-hmm. because she's a massive giver, yeah. really, really kind. And one day I did a kindness for her mm-hmm. and I knew somewhere in the back of my head she was going to have to repay it. Mm-hmm. They don't like being in the receiving seat. I would say yeah. that's probably yeah. the the kind of shadow side. Yeah. They find it hard to receive. Yes. And sure enough, a gift came on my doorstep. And then understanding the Enneagram helped me to realise she's not competing with me. Mm. She actually genuinely finds it hard to be what she would consider in debt. Yeah, yeah, or, or needy or having to ask for help themselves. They need to be needed and it's uncomfortable to then ask for help themselves although that's that's an area where a type two can grow and flourish is to be able to accept when they need help it's ironic though isn't it that they live in a space of not appearing to be needed mm-hmm. yet that is their great need yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah real paradox a real paradox mm. yeah but they're kind yes warm-hearted they things. yeah they're warm-hearted mm. they are the one who calls you when you're mm-hmm. down or they spotted you at the school gates and yeah she's not quite herself today yeah they're intuitive for knowing what other people need mm. sometimes before they even know it themselves that's very yeah. true. But the tipping point is probably that they can feel a bit codependent, can't they, in that? Yes. Yeah. And it's very painful for them to be there, have their help rejected. So if a type two were to offer you help and you say, no, thanks, I'm fine, <laughs> or I don't want that. How that would can, they hear that? They would hear that as, I don't want you. Yeah. Helpful to know. So. Yeah. <sighs> Number three. Number three, so often known as the performer or the achiever. So the type three is one of the image types. So what you think about the type three is really important. So making a good impression and being successful is key. So how the world views them yeah. is their motivation. Yeah, to be successful uh, all the types have concerns about how they're seen of course. Uh, to different extents but the type three it's about success about achievement and um type three three can sometimes find it hard to find their authentic selves because they're always being something for somebody else so a type three is a busy person very busy can be very efficient good at setting goals and achieving them leadership it can be charismatic dependable effective yeah effective yeah and the tipping point for them the shadow side so being very driven and expecting people to all (laughs) go along with that as in having high expectations of people around them yeah, high, high expectations and also maybe not always seeing everybody else's needs in that first journey towards achievement. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. results driven. Yeah, results driven. 
Uh, they might not appreciate when they themselves are burning out mm. and the people around them. And accepting failure would be really hard. So a type three might not even be comfortable using the language of failure. They might reframe it as a learning experience or another step on the journey towards success. If you were asked to type three how they feel about failure, they might be uncomfortable even to admit to that word. <laughs> Their personal failure. Are they okay admitting the failure of others? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, if it were their, their team, I guess they're looking at the overall success of the team and they'd still be driving towards that success. But I think they would see failure in others and want to turn that into success. Mm. And they can be very competitive threes, mm -hmm. can't they? Yeah. You can feel, if you've got a three in your life, you can feel like they're measuring up against you mm -hmm. and you're finding yourself in a race you never signed up for. Yeah. Like, Why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can feel like that. So if you've worked out you've got a three in your life, mm -hmm. what's the kindest thing you can do for a three? Show them that you value them for who they are and helping them to find who that is. Right, so who they yeah. are rather than what they do. Yeah, who they are rather than what they do and supporting them in helping finding that themselves because they might find that tricky to recognise mm. mm. and finding that authenticity. And when a... Because a three is a heart type. Yes. So when a three shows you their true heart that's very special yeah and you have to be very 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 gentle with it mm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so to four so to four <laughs> so they're known as the romantic and uh, that's not in the hearts and flowers sense no, it's not <laughs> a, yeah. more in depth of emotion so a type four will feel that whole intense range of emotions. So highs and lows, and the whole colour spectrum of emotions. And whereas we can all feel emotional and identify with highs and lows, a type four will be experiencing that through a 24-hour period. Exhausting. Yes. <laughs> so even the melancholy. But I've spoken to type fours who identify with this sense of melancholy and the grass is greener somewhere else so are they more inclined to depression than say a type seven um i'm not certain about that i wouldn't like to say yeah. <laughs> but because in some senses some of my type four friends say that they can sit with that melancholy so they can be comfortable with the sadness and they can experience it fully in a way that perhaps some of the rest of us might fight against it. Is it the type fours that are inclined towards wanting to feel unique? Yeah, yeah. So they feel unique. They feel special, different to other people. And sometimes a type four will want to express that somehow. 
And is that confusing for them through childhood? Do they feel different? Yeah, a type force will say that they feel different, but there's that desire to be different as well. They don't want to just blend in. And how might that express itself? It can be through clothing and colour um, or creating, so artists, musicians that compose their own music rather than perhaps playing other people's. Yeah. So the strength of a four? So a type four will sit with you in your pain mm. and they'll be comfortable to do that. And they will can companion you in that. And the shadow side, is that the right expression? What's the, um, what do they call it? They call it the passion. Yeah, shadow it? or a blind spot. Yeah. Yes, what yeah. would the blind spot of the four be? So envy. Right. So they'll look at your life and think, you've got it better than me. Okay. And always be looking outside of themselves. So accepting themselves would be a good growth path. Hmm. So, type five. Type five. They're called the observer or the investigator. So we're into head types now. So lots of thinking going on. So the type five will learn a lot, read a lot, find out a lot. They sometimes known as the expert in the room. Yes, they store information, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. They might be good in a pub quiz. <laughs> They'd be brilliant in a pub quiz. Yeah, just random facts they seem to be able to mm. hold. And then whatever subject you talk about, they can pull stuff out of nowhere. Yeah. Is that classic of your type five? Well, it can be a type five and also their own specialist subject. Mm. So yeah, have your type five for your pub quiz, but also something like mastermind as well. Yes. They have their own specialist subject like that. And why do they do that? Why do they need to store all that information? What's well, that all about? It's partly about security and knowing that they know enough. So if you ask a type five, when, when will you know if you know enough? They would find that hard to answer. Okay, so that makes them feel whole to be knowledgeable yeah knowledge is power security right yeah. okay mm. strength of a type five so well their intellect their being the expert is a strength they they can be an observer in a group so rather than jumping in to proceedings they'll be looking at what's going on taking it all in and then perhaps speak later mm. so give the type five a chance to do that and then listen to what they've got to say because it might be full of wisdom Mm. Mm. shadow side or they call it the passion don't they what's the other word for that yeah so there's the the passions of the type yes yeah which is a funny word isn't it because we think of passion as passionate Mm. massively enthusiastic about something yeah. But actually, it can be sort of your Achilles heel, can't it? Yeah, yeah. The place you get tipped up from. Yeah, what triggers you? What triggers you? Yeah. So what yeah. triggers a type five? So a type five is very boundaried, typically. So they'll be boundaried around their time and energy management. And they won't want to have that, um, that privacy invaded. 
So it can be to do with time. They'll, they'll have an idea of when their time limit is up. It can be to do with their energy. It can be to do with finances and possessions. So sometimes a type five can be quite minimalist. So would you also call them possibly quite secretive? Can be, yeah. So with that privacy, a type five might not feel comfortable opening up immediately or they'll have a few trusted friends, a small inner circle. So if you were to confront a type five, would they find that very invasive? In, in what way? Well, let's say that you had an experience and you just felt you needed to say, do you know, I struggled when you said that, can we talk that through? Would that feel quite draining mm. for them? I think it would be useful to give a type five some warning that you're going to have that conversation mm. and allow them time to prepare and schedule for that. And for them to know that you're going to spend half an hour <laughs> on this yes. and there's an end to it and then give them time afterwards to have time alone to process. Like That's that. really important That's for really a type helpful. five. And know that they need that time and it's not rejection. So it can feel, the type five withdrawal can feel like rejection, but it's a need that they have to go and process on their own. So if you were experiencing a type five mm -hmm. in a friendship or relationship, you might find them withdrawn at times and yeah. you could easily get confused as to why they don't readily contribute mm -hmm. more actively, couldn't you? Yeah. But actually they're sort of conserving energy and Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they need they need that. And it's not a rejection of your friendship mm. and it's not disinterest. Mm. Mm. See, it's so helpful, isn't it? Because mm. you could interpret that as rejection. Yeah. But actually, they're just self-caring, mm. aren't they? And for a type five to grow, for them to recognise this and to be able to loosen those boundaries and let more people in, that can be useful for the type five as a growth area. Mm. And mm. is the type five classically known for not mixing different social groups? Do they, they compartmentalise? Or have I got that muddled up with another type? I think that can be possible. So within the type fives, there'll be different types of type fives. So some are more social than others and some really love their own privacy. So it's a spectrum. Okay. But yeah, I think that can be true. Mm. <laughs> type six. Type six. <laughs> Parenting can be wonderful, but it can be tough at times too. If you'd like to reduce the stress in your home, if you'd like a kinder home, kids that listen and who thrive emotionally, pop me an email and I'll share ways that I as a coach can help you and your family. And also, if you haven't got a copy of my book, Parenting for Life yet, you'll find that at the Courageous Mama. Com. And this month, I'm offering a free 15-minute one-to-one micro-coach with each copy sold. Parents often say, can you just be on my shoulder when my child dot dot dot? Well, now I can. I've learned that sometimes you've just got stuck on a small thing and you want a quick helping hand for a specific scenario. So here's a way that you can do that. Pop onto the Courageous Mama 
Order a copy of Parenting for Life for yourself, for a friend, for a Christmas present, and I'll make a time to chat with you about that issue that's getting in the way of your connected relationship with one of your children, or all of your children. Now, back to the podcast. Type six. Type six. (laughs) Mm. We're on your territory. We're on my territory. (laughs) (laughs) Type six. Speak from experience. I can. So, type sixes are the loyal sceptics. So, um, what do you want to know? (laughs) Gosh, how would you experience a type six? So, type six. How did I know I was a type six? So, the sceptic bit I'll talk about. So questioning 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 and always having that mental activity so I am always thinking and it can be the mundane and it can be life's biggest questions and this is a daily experience of mine so just let me ask you this when I asked you to do this did you have to run through, now why does she want to do this? What does she want from me? Would that be that kind of scepticism? Yeah, I guess, I guess in a way, yes. I would be interested in, oh, what's all this about? Yeah, not in a negative, sceptical no, way, but a, let me curious. Let me fathom what my role is, yeah. what's going on here, you know, how I play my part in here. Yeah. In whether that be a children's party or a work scenario. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be fair to say. So there's that questioning, but at the same time, there's loyalty as well, which can stand in opposition to this questioning. How? So a type six can be very, very loyal. So that can be brilliant with long-standing friendships. I've got some very precious friendships that are very long-standing over decades and mean the world to me. And I will be loyal to them and my family to the nth degree. So I think that's a gift. Mm. But at times that loyalty has meant that I haven't recognized when it's time to move on from so something. six could end up in a job for too long. Yeah, or a relationship. Or a relationship. Or just something that's not working. They are going to stick with that no matter what. And it takes time to realise this isn't working, whereas another type might have recognised that and moved on years before. It's a sort of strength and weakness, yeah. yeah. We are said to have a sense of humour because we can laugh at the dark side of life as well as stress about it. Um, very good at seeing potential problems. Okay, yeah. So you can spot pitfalls, but also be great problem solvers as well. Great at coming up with solutions. Great at seeing things from many different angles. Good at planning. They are some of the strengths. Growth area for the sick. Well, I'm talking from my own experience here, but learning to live with mystery. I can't know the answers to everything. And being at peace with that. Faith leaps. Mm-hmm. And would you say that's about life in general? Or can that be relationally? 
trying to work somebody out before they're mm. kind of ready to expose their thinking processes or yeah both but having belief in oneself as well that's a growth path for the six because they will be full of self-doubt whatever they've done and however well they've done they've always got that self-doubt but isn't that similar to the one then it is similar to the one it's similar to that inner critic with the six is described as having an inner committee you've got lots of voices like what about this what about that and how about this whereas the one it's more of a single yeah inner critic okay. but there are similarities between the six and the one there, i mean there are similarities across the board mm, right? yeah Which can make it complex yeah but in the show notes i can mm. put that there are some questionnaires you can go to to mm. define yourself or yeah. they can come to you or they can come <laughs> to a session. qualified enneagram typer <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Hmm. Type seven. Now this is quite funny. My brother-in-law's a type seven. Uh-huh. He often says everybody wants to be a seven. <laughs> yes. So type seven, they're known as the adventurer or the enthusiast or the epicure. That's ah. a big word. Fun, fun, fun. Mm. <laughs> so a type seven will have that fun energy, planning for fun things so they're future looking so they're looking for the next exciting thing to do we'll have lots of different interests you might recognize them by that fun bubbly energy they can be quite charismatic fun people to be around <laughs> and they fill their lives don't mm-hmm. they with the next adventure that's the next right. adventure they're the one who get you to the top of the hill with a bicycle or yeah get you in a rowing boat or yeah Glass half full rather than glass half empty, so optimistic. So with all things Enneagram, there's a shadow side to that as well. So they might find it difficult to look at sadness and pain. So whereas we talked about the type four being comfortable in sitting in pain, the type seven is escaping that pain and is that partly why they're so busy mm-hmm. yeah so busy and reframing as well let's say you're sharing something with the type seven that's very difficult for you they might have a tendency to reframe it like look on the bright side yes at least this didn't happen or um, because of this sad life event this means that it's all going to work out well in another area and want to put things in a positive light bit of a tigger yeah yeah Mm. so it can be painful for the type seven to have to look at some of that stuff Mm. and whilst they might try to escape it at some point we all come to a place where we do have to look at that Mm. and so relationally with type sevens sometimes you can feel i just want to see you mm-hmm. past all of this wonderful creative busyness around you I mm. want to know you and they can bounce back in with another activity can't they mm. so it can be fabulous to be in their company mm. but you if you're seeking authenticity mm-hmm. you can get frustrated not because they're not being authentic 
but because actually it feels incredibly vulnerable, doesn't it, to show up for a seven? Feels uncomfortable to share those difficult emotions. Need one at every party, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it's a six myself. I feel that I have a seven wing Mm. (laughs) to a certain extent. Yes, of course. Mm. So that's your wing, your your wing seven rather than your wing five. Both. Both. Okay. <laughs> At different times. <laughs> so Have just to, to stop and explain that a second, mm. what's a wing? A wing is just the number that the two numbers that neighbour your Enneagram type. So for the six, it's the five and the seven. And and you can have characteristics of those, can't you? Yeah. And, and usually yeah. one more than another. Isn't that not the case? Yes, it can be the case. And th- that can change depending on... Your life circumstances, your type will stay the same. Mm. But you might lean into one or other of the wings differently. Mm. How could a seven challenge themselves to grow? By being in the moment more. So they've planned all of these adventures. But to challenge themselves to enjoy the adventure that they're in, rather than being on holiday and spend that holiday planning the next one yeah or whatever that experience might be so coming back into the present rather than always being somewhere in the future Mm. getting full enjoyment rather than perceived enjoyment brilliant Mm. type eight type eight so they're known as the challenger or the protector you might sense a type eight by their huge energy. They can be quite dominant. Mm, and not even realise it as well. No idea. Yeah. So there is one very classic eight. And I remember, oh, we used to come away from that person's company just feeling in some way shut down. Mm. And then when I read the Enneagram, I thought, oh, he doesn't mean to do that for a minute. Mm. He's just got a strong opinion on that. And actually, mm-hmm. if anything, he would rather I rise to that opinion. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so tell us, sorry, I jumped in there. Tell us about eights. <laughs> no, I think that's exactly right, what you were saying. So a type eight has very strong opinions, but they can totally handle you having your strong opinions as well and quite like to have a debate about it or wrestle with an issue. And that's not a threat to them. Yes, to have those aren't they? yeah yeah so protection comes into it as well so they like to be strong and dislike vulnerability in, in themselves, themselves. Mm. Mm. but will jump to the protection of anybody that they see who needs it sometimes they might act before thinking whereas some other types might have to think things through before taking action so they might intervene if they see something happening. Justice is very important to the type 8. Which means that sometimes mercy can get left behind, can't it? Their compassion has gone straight to who they see needs support and needs their strength. So if you've got an 8 in your life mm-hmm. and you're a quieter more thought through person it could well be that you're finding that eight dominant uh, 
it can feel a bit aggressive mm. at times, can't it? Mm. And they don't mind calling out your weaknesses. They think you mm-hmm. should be able to cope with that. It's just funny. And all the while, they're not actually meaning to come across like that at all, are they? They're mm. just defending themselves from appearing weak. Yeah. And in that process, yeah, can be a little bit clumsy. Mm. Yeah. So I've often heard type eights described as teddy bears in armour. Mm. So they I have. Think that's brilliant. Yeah. Mm. They've got very soft hearts underneath, and when you have the privilege of a type eight showing you that soft heart and soft soul then it's very special so have you got to be the weak one in order to bring out their soft underbelly (laughs) and how does that enable you to be you in the company of an eight Mm. so i think type eights thrive with stability so if they can trust you if you're consistent with them and if you're authentic with them so with them what you see is what you get but they appreciate that in reverse then by building that trust a type 8 will show that vulnerable side more readily and actually even as you're speaking I'm thinking acknowledging that you recognise their strength Mm. means they don't have to prove it to you Mm. as much and you can get to see their slightly more soft side side. which is there (laughs) it is yeah and sometimes you might have to push back a little bit. Yeah. But that's it's okay. That though, isn't it? As mm. I say, it's, it's knowing that they don't mind you rising for a fight. Mm. In fact, they respect you more for it. Yeah. But, but what they probably don't realise sometimes is the atmosphere they can mm. create makes mm. everybody kind of curl up and mm. shut down because they think they're going to get shouted mm. down or the eight's going to reveal their strength of knowledge base. Mm. and you're not going to get your voice heard in their company mm. but actually you can be honest with an eight mm. and they will appreciate that honesty uh, what could a, an eight do to be on a growth path All right so a, an eight on a growth path might work with themselves to feel more comfortable about vulnerability which is different to weakness because mm. being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be vulnerable is a strength, not a weakness. So a type eight allowing themselves to show their vulnerability for them to see it as a strength is helpful. And that doesn't have to be with everybody. <laughs> they don't have to wear it on their sleeve, yeah. but just work with a few trusted friends who show their vulnerability. Yeah, and be okay with that. Okay. <laughs> Last, but by no means least, because my husband is a type nine. Mine too. (laughs) We can talk about being married to nine. (laughs) They are very special. Mm, They are. Well, I mean, I'm sure everybody is. (laughs) They favour the nines. So type nine is called the mediator or the peacekeeper. And they love to keep the peace. Peace and harmony... They have that peaceful presence about them. You're at ease in their company. You can feel very accepted by a type nine. They are totally non-judgy nines, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Don't. Or they don't present. Yes. Judges. It's not they don't have opinions, but 
they wouldn't bring that into the open mm. readily mm. yeah because they want to keep the peace they want you to be comfortable want you to feel comfortable in their presence mm. so conflict is not something the type nine enjoys mm-hmm. so sometimes it can be peace and harmony at the cost of other things mm. so a type nine might be uncomfortable with their anger and suppress it because bringing your anger out threatens the peace and harmony mm. so that can be something so that they can actually the end up burying their own unmet needs mm-hmm. because it's easier not to have them yeah than to admit that they're not being met mm. and therefore they're in some way dissatisfied yeah they might not even know what their needs are to bury them mm. so they'll go with the flow so if you're planning a night out and we're saying which restaurant should we go to they typically will say oh I don't mind where do you want to go absolutely yeah. mm. which can be quite handy but actually <laughs> <laughs> there are times when I find myself saying I want to know what you want to mm. do it's like but what do you want to do nah mm. nah 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 <laughs> And they might find it hard to know what they want. Like, oh, well, where do I want to go? Because they don't live in that plane of accessing their own Not always, no. Yeah. Shadow side. So, well, I think for the type nine is knowing their own priorities, their own needs, and not falling asleep to them. Mm. And um, for a type nine, sometimes to start that work they might look at what they don't want in order to (laughs) find out what they do want that's actually a very good starting place Mm. for a lot of things yeah if you don't know what you want yeah what shall i eliminate here yeah what don't i want yeah yeah and i know that in conversations i've had with my husband i'll say things like i'm all for peacemaking (laughs) Mm. but i can't cope with peace faking Mm. yeah (laughs) I'm going to fight for you, yeah. if you're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for them to be able to move into that conflict when appropriate is something that's difficult for the Type 9, but also important. Because mm. they're not critical, are they? No. They're not the one who's going to say, your bum looks fat in that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not if it will cause conflict. No. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of amazing qualities. Oh, yeah. Very generous, aren't they? Yeah, very generous with their time and listening to you. And very peaceful. Very peaceful. Mm. So we've run the gauntlet. We have. We've uh, done a whistle-stop tour of <laughs> the nine types. Yeah. And where would you say a person could even begin to start with the Enneagram? If they listen to this and they thought, oh, that's really interesting. I think so-and-so might be a seven or so-and-so might be a three or maybe, oh, I wonder if that's why I get so melancholy or why mm. I go on to the next adventure so quickly. Where do they begin with diving deeper? Mm. So I would say start with yourself before you start looking at other people. Mm. And... Before going into any typing activity, I'd just ask yourself the question, that what, what gets in your way? 
what bothers you, what holds you back. There'll be something for everybody, something about yourself that <laughs> gets on your own nerves mm. or something that you know is a trigger. So it could be what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. It could be lack of confidence. Yeah. It could be my own personal benchmarks. Yes. It could be I spend too much time leaning towards soulful music rather than getting out in the sunshine or yeah. those sorts of things is that what you mean yeah so for everybody there'll be something that gets in their way and bothers them that in some way holds them back from being the person they're meant to be and how do you know what gets in your way because that's it is a starting point but it can be a hard starting point can't it? because somebody mm. might think nothing gets in my way what would you then say well, maybe that would be getting in their way. <laughs> <laughs> that would narrow down the hype idea. Yeah, um, and it has to be at the right time for you as well. Mm-hmm. So there would have been a time that finding my type wouldn't have been helpful because those type patterns have got us to where we are. Mm. And... We've needed them in some funny way, but there comes a time where we realise they're not working for us anymore. Mm. They've got us to a certain point, and now they're starting to grate on me and hold me back. So let's just dig into that a bit. So for example, throughout childhood, Mm -hmm. let's pull out a number, um, five, Mm -hmm. holding back, sort of self-protecting. And observing and... might have been survival Mm. in childhood when i talk about survival i'm not necessarily saying they're in a dysfunctional family yeah but perhaps you know the family setup was such that that was a place where they felt safe emotionally Mm. and so what you're saying is you know don't don't let that in adulthood prevent you Mm. from growing and going forward because if you are self-protecting maybe Mm. you need to show up more or if you are dominating, because in childhood you had to have your voice heard and you had to fight for that, mm. maybe in adulthood take a look at that and say, actually, yeah. are the times when I'm overbearing? So, mm. yeah, is that what you're saying? Sort of know yeah. yourself. Yeah, it's it's about starting to see those patterns and wanting to grow. And like we said, they, they're not working anymore, mm. but did work at a time where they were needed. It's part of the human experience, survival, mm. but to move into something deeper mm. has to be at the right time. It does, cause, and also not everybody wants to grow. Mm. Um, not everybody can see their shadow side or what's getting Mm. in their way Mm. I know my husband has an expression and he's probably coined it from someone else I'm not saying he owns it but he says don't let your mess be your message Mm. and I think for me the Enneagram is helpful in that way because what you know whatever was muddly in childhood and caused you to perhaps have some strengths Mm -hmm. can get you stuck later on yeah yeah, I think it's that getting stuckness mm. that leads people to want to find out more. Mm. 
and being self-aware enough to know that although you can see other people around you that might be stuck mm-hmm. where are you yourself stuck yeah. and where could you be the best version of you by mm. sitting on the stuck Mm. So how do people find you? Because you oh. are a typer. That's I am a typer. <laughs> <laughs> when I say I'm a typer, people imagine me sitting as a typewriter. <laughs> but yeah, I do Enneagram typing interviews, they're called, but really it's more of a guided conversation. So I will sit with people on Zoom or in person and... It's a guided conversation through the types, really. Um, We're looking at the sort of things that we've talked about today, so things that are working well, things where people feel stuck, and looking for the motivations underneath behaviours. So why is this happening and what's going on for you there? So such a lovely thing to do to come mm. and spend a little bit of time knowing yourself a bit better. Mm, yeah, I love that expression. You lead yeah. others well when you lead yourself well. Yes, and leading doesn't necessarily mean you're running a corporation. You're leading a family. You're, mm. You know, or you are a parent within yeah. a family. Wherever you find yourself. Yeah, yeah. And what do you, by and large, find people come out with after? having typed themselves (laughs) do you find a common thread to people who've got that kind of understanding so when I do a typing conversation with people um, I'm discerning two types to offer them so I'm respectful that it's their journey I don't diagnose a type (laughs) I offer Mm. say from my discernment it looks as though there are patterns of for example type one and type six coming up and this is what I'm going to reflect back to you Um, for example there seems to be some internal uh, voice and it'd be really useful for us to look at whether that's the type one in a critic or whether it's the type six voice in a committee So someone would come away from a typing interview with a couple of strong ideas for further investigation, Mm. which I could then signpost them to resources for reading or websites, or I provide coaching where I would do that journey with them, companion Mm. them Mm. along that journey as well. Mm. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? I could go on all day about the Enneagram. I I found (laughs) it the most singularly the most useful tool I'm not saying it is the most useful tool because I know that other people might say it's the five voices or Mm Myers-Briggs I do think actually all of them bring their enlightenment if you like Um, but there's something about the Enneagram that feels A, easier to grasp for me Mm. because it's more defined and B, I think rather than boxing me it Mm. helps me to realise on my journey where I've actually fallen in a box Yes. even if it means I have to look at the not so desirable mm. parts my mess <laughs> yeah yeah brilliant thank you <laughs> so much amazing that you can just pluck all of that out of your head wow <laughs> i've enjoyed it <laughs>Did you recognise anyone in there? Did you recognise yourself in any of those types? 
or maybe a child or a friend or a partner or someone else in your life. I'm going to pick up on each of those character types and I'm going to flesh them out over the next few months. I'm going to do one a month and I'm going to deep dive into that character and my focus will be how do I parent that character type. Now of course it's going to be useful for any relationships that you have with different characters but specifically I'm going to talk about how we parent them, how we help them to grow. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to learn more about the Enneagram or to have coaching sessions yourself, get in touch with Helen Calder. She's a life coach and she uses the Enneagram as a tool to help people access that deeper understanding of themselves and their relationships with others. And she does that through individual and group mentoring. And she supports clients in their self-acceptance, but also in making lasting changes in their personal and working lives, which is, of course, what coaching is all about. She would meet in person here in Gloucestershire, but she can also meet people online in Europe and the USA. So if you'd like to chat to her and understand how that could be transformational for you, her email is in the show notes. And I'll see you and I'll be bringing the full type eight in the next podcast. So if you think you've got a child who's very determined, very resistant, quite a trailblazer, really knows their own mind and you love all their qualities, but sometimes you wonder how to help them to harness it for the best effect for themselves and for others, come and tune in next fortnight. I'll see you then.